0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
1: From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. I'm Kevin Farrell with Nancy Lotter-Janderson, Associate Professor of Finance at Mississippi College and President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. While Mississippi doesn't have a statewide lottery, many of its citizens buy tickets in the neighboring states who do. To get you ready for winning a multi-million dollar jackpot, we'll discuss what you shouldn't do if you win a large windfall. We'll also, as we do each Tuesday, take any personal finance question that you have. Give us a call this morning to join the conversation. The phone number is one mpb ring It's one 672 7464 Or email the show, money at mpbonline.org. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. This is Bunny Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy lotter anderson Associate Professor of Finance at Mississippi College and President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taff, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. While Mississippi doesn't have a statewide lottery, many of its citizens buy tickets in the neighboring states that do. To get you ready for winning a multi-million dollar jackpot, we'll talk today about what you shouldn't do if you have a large windfall. Also, as we do, each Tuesday we'll take any personal finance questions that you have. So give us a call this morning. The phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 or send an email to money at mpbonline.org. So good morning. Hope that you're both doing well this morning. Good, good, good morning. morning. Any excitement uh, this weekend?
2: Well I think there's a lot of excitement out there in the world. It kind of feels strange Kevin to be hearing about hurricanes and we're not in the middle of it if it's it's our neighbors mm-hmm. in Texas uh, and certainly Mississippi's going to feel some of that rain um, today as it comes through but that's been astounding to watch
1: well the one thing I guess I wasn't not paying enough attention where did this hurricane did, did it, Coming through the the lower part of the Gulf and so it skirted yeah, everything. Yeah, I and think then, it,
2: it headed up uh, around the Yucatan Peninsula and then came in through um, South Texas there.
3: Yeah, it really snuck in there because for a while I think it was uh, like a Category 2 or Category 3 and it was literally like right before landfall there. Like, oh wow this is a lot bigger than we expected.
1: Yeah, and I believe it's, uh, if I remember correctly, there was Hurricane George uh, years ago that, that did similar things where it basically parked and just poured right, rain. And right. so uh, man it 's just awful the so the fifty inches of rain in some areas, and then you see the pictures online of you know com- uh, re- the uh, interstates completely underwater so mm-hmm.
2: well the the damage there of course is terrible but we 're also thinking about. We all will feel the impact of this. Mm-hmm. We're starting to see higher gas prices already because of this. 25% of the refiners are already shut down because they are in that area. 15% of the platforms are shut down. So when the price of oil goes up, price of gasoline goes up, it trickles down to all of us and we're putting more in the tank and having less to spend elsewhere.
1: Yeah, so obviously thoughts uh, for those affected by that. I I heard something on Morning Edition this morning that a family had uh, evacuated to a hotel. Uh, and then a day later, that hotel had to be evacuated. So right. Really- and a
2: lot of those um, houses did not have flood insurance. They were not p- part of the flood insurance program. And, of course, we're getting ready to have a big debate about the national flood insurance program. And uh, uh, are we going to step back and make some of those people whole? We're also going to be seeing, um, as as reconstruction happens, there will be greater demand for um, – uh, construction crews and building products, um, home prices are already six percent higher than they were last year, so this is going to bump those prices even higher because of the materials.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, any other financial news in the news? Uh, no i was going I was gonna say that was the main thing I was looking at, but what were you
2: well i i I was thinking about uh, overnight and um, North Korea. Firing mm-hmm. a missile, mm-hmm. and that always uh, leads to uncertainty. And we saw markets open lower this morning. They're kind of moderating, uh, but that is a concern for us.
3: And also a couple of uncertainty trades that you see—you know, longer, longer U.S. government bonds so the ten-year. 10 years out to 30 years you'll see you'll see those those yields come down as people buy those and also gold uh, which uh, I did not look at this morning but did rise has risen a little bit recently um, so things like the uncertainty of what's going to happen in Houston and what's going to happen in North Korea are driving things like that
1: So on Money Talks this morning, we'll be talking about the lottery and if you win uh, the uh, lottery or another large... we need it
2: right now, right? (laughs) Financial. Uh, I will say um, I was down at WLBT uh, because I do a couple times a month, I'll go down there and do a piece on uh, finance or Mm -hmm. uh, something to do with money. And uh, they were showing, they were giving away a car. So people were lined up and they were putting the key in and we kept watching person after person and the key didn't work. (laughs) And we saw this woman in line very pregnant, with a toddler on her hip, and we were all saying, we hope she wins, and by golly, she
3: did. Oh, that's fantastic. So you
2: hope for those people who are in need to get that.
1: There you go. Um, so um, we're going to be talking about uh, what things that you probably shouldn't do if you win the lottery or other large windfall, but also we'll have a little fun this morning. If you did win the lottery, uh, what would you do? Uh, think about m- maybe how would you spend uh, that money?
2: What would you do, Kevin? Shoes? More shoes? Well,
1: I... <laughs> And I think this I, that this is a serious, but I think obviously I would pay off all my debt, uh, maybe upgrade my house, you know, redo the house. But also I, I think at least for a little while I would continue working because um, I think, you know, it's part of our life, our daily life. And I think I don't know if I'm ready for retirement yet. I think I might. I'm afraid that I would sort of just veg out.
2: Would you take all of us to lunch?
1: Oh, at least once. Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Nice. You would get the (laughs) extra value, extra size value meal, too. (laughs) All right, pulling on Kevin Winning. So, uh, And, yes, probably a a whole line of shoes. I mean, I would go nuts at every shoe store I came across. Uh, But, uh, like I said, have some fun, or if you have some serious thoughts about what you might do if you uh, were to receive a large windfall, uh, let us know this morning. We do have an early caller on the line. So let's say good morning to Ann, who's called in from Raymond today. Good morning, Ann. Hi. Go ahead.
4: I was calling because I'm mentioned that you were mentioning the lottery. And I'm, my question is, why don't we have it here in Mississippi due to the fact that so many of our citizens take so many thousands and millions of dollars over to the Louisiana line, in which you never hear anybody winning, in which all that revenue can stay right here in Mississippi. Our teachers are underpaid. Our bus drivers are underpaid. Our streets are terrible. Our water infrastructure here in Jackson is terrible. And all of that can, or either can somebody even go over there to Delta, Louisiana, where we all be bunched up over there and get a total of how many millions of dollars have been spent within this year to see if we could have put all of that here in Mississippi. And then my next question is, um, at my age, I'm in my mid-50s, and I've had pieces of little small jobs. So what could I do now to be more aggressive in saving for
2: retirement?
3: All right, Anne. Uh, thanks for the call. Let's uh, take that in inverse order.
2: Which one do you want to take, Ryder?
3: Um, how, how about you? You hit the hit the second question because you don't like the lottery questions.
2: Okay, you take the lottery question, and then I'll jump in. Uh, No, you go first. I'll go first. Okay. You're in your 50s. (laughs) You really need to double down, okay? And one of the most important things you can do is to keep building a good, solid earnings record with Social Security. And sign up at ssa.gov, or I think it's now Social Security Administration. So security.gov, and um, look at your earnings record and look at what you'll collect at 62 and then at your full retirement age, which will be close to 67, and then at 70. And that will represent a great piece for your retirement and replace that income. But from now until you do finally retire, you really need to start saving. If you don't have a retirement plan through an employer, you can open IRA accounts for yourself and uh, you can do this at the bank. you can do it at a brokerage house. You can get a, a mutual fund account opened and start funding it. You can put money into it every month. And you will have um, is it 6500 now for over 50?
3: Something like that. Yeah.
2: I'm having a little bit of a yeah. brain glitch. Here, sixty five hundred. If you're over fifty. That's how much you can put in there every year. And so that will go a long way for you. So you really need to do as much as you can. If you in fact you need to save more than that. So put what you can into an IRA and then save additional money in just a regular account.
1: By the way, we did have uh, Sean Mercer from Social Security on last week. We hope to have him on on a warm, regular basis. But he mentioned we were
2: busy then, weren't we? And
1: uh, we yeah. we talked about the the my uh, the, I forget what they call, it, but the the personalized account at the at the website. I signed up for it. Um, it did take a few minutes. It was funny to me because, as we mentioned on the air last week, there are a number of questions that they ask to make sure you're, you're really you, and so they ask you some things. And I was some of them I was having to really think about, you know, prior addresses, and did you ever have a, an account here, and that sort of thing. So I, I guess I was afraid. I it really is it like Big Brother, isn't it? But yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it, they yeah. know everything about <laughs> us. But it was fairly quick, and it's interesting to see. Uh, you go back, and you can see all of the earnings from when you started working, uh, and it gives you an estimate of uh, what your benefits. Would be when you retire at different ages and that sort of thing. So it's very uh, useful information to help us uh, think about what we'll do uh, when we retire.
2: And now the lottery question. (laughs)
3: Okay, Um, so so the the why doesn't Mississippi not have a lottery question always comes up, and it usually once the Powerball hits about three hundred fifty million, people start asking it more. And um, obviously, last week's lottery hit something like seven hundred million was the jackpot somebody won. Um, So just and one thing I thought of was that instead of having a lottery because a key complaint in mississippi is everyone goes over to louisiana and there's just and there's just like there's just like three bridges that go to louisiana guys why don't we just put a toll on each one? And <laughs> oh, that's only, a great idea and only open it up on on when the lottery gets big so it's I like not the idea. it's not in the way and then you can have a toll and you're gonna make you're gonna make all that lottery money um so that's my first idea um so typical arguments against having a lottery. You know, we're we're taking this like bizarre moral high ground here in Mississippi, and 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 just you know, oh, gambling is bad, and it's this, that, and the but other. We have
2: the casinos.
3: Well, well, the riverboats.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um,
3: so, well, and that is one reason why when we did legalize, we were one of the first states to legalize gambling, but we only did it on territorial waters. So you can't just you can't just drive around and hit up all the casinos. Um, so that's kind of one argument against it. Another argument people typically say, you know, it's only, uh it's most of the people buying tickets are low income people anyway. So it's you know, and that's an argument against gambling as well. So you know, it's really just it's hurting those people. So we're trying to help you know people with low income. And but here's here's the thing for. For people with a low income, this is part of their entertainment budget. Um, so right now they're spending that elsewhere anyway. It's it's not it's not like that two dollars is coming out of their four hundred one k or something. Um, when you look at the numbers about you know what percentiles of income are spending money on lottery tickets, it's percentiles of income that aren't aren't investing or aren't don't have savings anyway. So it's not like it's not like you're taking money out of savings it just never was going to savings so it's kind it 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 doesn't super make sense that you make the oh you know we're helping out low-income people um because if if low-income people are buying all the tickets and that means one of them is going to win so buying a ticket is literally giving a low-income person money um and it would it there is a lot uh there's a lot of discussion about how much tax money would it really raise you know roughly Roughly half the ticket price goes to tax is is just taxes. And then, of course, half the winning. So, you know, something like 70 percent of of all of the power of all the money being played in lottery just goes to uh, the government. Um, Now, in Mississippi, it looks like we probably just use that to cut all of the other taxes. So nobody would actually get any raises. Um, But it is a different source of revenue. And. And that's that's something that well, we, and we always the, go back and forth looking at. Yeah,
2: the one of the things that she pointed out is the Mississippians who go to Louisiana. That that's means, why we need the toll road. Yeah. Louis, that means Louisiana wins. You only win exactly. with uh, casinos or lotteries if you can draw from outside your state. If you're just generating revenue from people who are living in your state, all you're doing is shuffling money around. Right. And that doesn't help you.
3: And, and all, that, all that being said, you know, I have to point out, you know, buying – buying lottery tickets for the most part is a money losing proposition it's not it's not actually making anybody it's except, entertainment except the occasional person richer so as long as you know as long as you're thinking of it as your entertainment it's your fun thing to do which judging by the lines at the gas station that I bought my powerball ticket at last week it is a fun thing to do for people and people are having a great time doing it.
1: Uh, I will say though that I think uh, attitudes at the state capital have changed somewhat uh, but we'll see because uh, I think one of the suggestions for funding uh, infrastructure uh, improvements is the state is the statewide lottery so we'll have to see um, what happens in the near future. Need to take a quick break when we get back we've got Karen on the line from Brandon. And uh, we're looking for your call as well as we're talking about things not to do if you win the lottery or a large financial windfall. And we're also taking your personal finance questions. The number to call is one mpb ring It's one eight seven seven 672 We'll be back with more after this.
0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
1: Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lautridge-Anderson, Associate Professor of Finance at Mississippi College and President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. We're talking today about things that you probably don't want to do should you win a multi million dollar jackpot or other financial windfall. Also, looking for any personal finance questions that you have for us today. The number to call is 1 MPB Ring. It's 1 672 7464. You can always email the show money at mpbonline.org. Karen's on the line in Brandon with a question for us. Go ahead, Karen.
5: Uh, good morning. Um, my question is about um, – I didn't win the lottery. I wish I had.
3: Oh, but, uh, I was hoping you had.
5: <laughs> I, my question is about credit card debt. I have some substantial credit card debt, but the good news is that I'm going to have access <laughs> to money soon to pay it all almost all of it off, if not all of it. And my question is: Is there a way? And my credit is good. I have can I have maintained my my, uh, my my payments to all my creditors, and so my it's not a question of having to pay it off. But uh, my question is: If you if you uh, if you are getting ready to pay off a debt is is there any way to negotiate with a credit card company a credit card company to see if they will tell them i'm going to pay uh, off this debt in full and is there any way to negotiate and say will you will you take uh 75% of it and and consider it paid in full is there such a thing Seems to me like I've been seeing, hearing advertisements from, from companies that work with you know with you and your creditors, and 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 I I thought that might be an option is or, or do they just expect you to, you know, pay all their money that that you owe them?
3: So uh, that's a great question. Typically with credit cards, especially you said you have good credit, um, and so, so you're probably current with your credit card payments, at least making the minimum. Um, Typically, in that sort of situation, they would not get. They would not allow you to pay less than what you owe. What they might do, though, um, I, and I know, I know, Chase does this. They might let you uh, set up a regular set up a payment p- plan, basically, you know, say you owe you know $10,000 and they're oh, charging, right. you know, 20% interest, I'm kind of making up numbers, so they're not all going to match up here. Uh, but you say, you know, I want to pay this off in one year, you know, let's can 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 I negotiate a lower monthly payment, a lower interest rate in order to to get a better deal, because if you're not able to pay it off all at once, you're still going to have interest accumulating. Um, right. So what they're what they're going to probably be more amenable to is uh, lowering your lowering your interest rate or setting you up on some sort of fixed uh, payment plan. Um, but what you could also do there is, if you, again, if you still have good credit, you can look at rolling that um, consolidating that to a um, with balance doing a balance transfer there are some cards out there that have a no fee balance transfer um and so that's that's what you would look for if you want to do that and that would give you a little more time to pay the whole thing off because even when you get that windfall you don't want to just turn around and write that check you want to look at your whole situation and make sure you still have some cash for other things because you won't don't want to just write that check and then have to turn around the next day and put all your expenses on the credit card again right right. Um, so so you have a you have a couple of options and that should give you some flexibility as Ryder
2: mentioned um they're not going to negotiate with you on the amount that you owe unless you have not been paying on this and they are Mm -hmm. looking at this situation as hey we haven't collected anything and so we're going to do some sort of settlement because that's better than nothing but if you're current now they're not going to do anything Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay.
3: All
5: right. Yeah. And I just hate paying that really high interest rate, so... Well, uh, d-
3: definitely call them and, and ask about that. And and especially if you're saying, okay, you know, I can pay one-third of my balance today. Um and I'll be, you know, I'll be paying a higher proportion of my balance in the coming months and definitely trying to get that down. Can I get a lower interest rate? Cause that's something, I mean, they, they have a ton of flexibility on because that's, mm-hmm. they literally just make up that number and write it down on your statement. Like they could just make up a lower number.
2: And most of us right. don't pay attention to it. That's yeah, the problem. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right.
3: Karen, okay. thanks for your call this
1: morning. I like writer's idea also, too, of investigating the balance transfer because you're right. There are a number of cards out there that have 0% interest, introductory rates for 18 months, that sort of thing. And, you know, that would be a way to do it because if you'll have the money and, again, it's over time, you're not, as uh, again, putting it yeah. all out at one time. The other thing that she mentioned uh, I think would be to go to one of those debt consolidation things that you hear advertised on TV where they say, you know, we can get your debt down. But to me – you're beginning yeah. to mess with your credit situation yeah, that way. you to be,
3: be really careful about those. A lot of them, it's not, it's not necessarily getting you less debt. It's just moving your debt around and kind of like we were talking about just moving gambling money around. If you're just moving your debt around, you still have the same debt. You just have someone else who you don't have a prior relationship with and may have a lot of hidden fees. And that's always something to watch out with debts. Next up,
1: we've got Frank calling in from Jackson. Good morning, Frank. Good morning, Frank.
6: I've three things, so please don't cut me off. Go ahead. Number one, we do not have a lottery because the casino lobbyists are giving campaign contributions to the committee chairman because the lottery bill never gets out of committee.
3: That's a great point.
6: So they're, they're, just, they're just, it's politics and money. Number two, A while back, I suggested that during the financial crisis that a lot of money was stolen because people who knew that those securities were no good sold when their prices were high. And Ms. Anderson seemed to think that the prices on the stock market are not set by what people are willing to buy and sell the stock for or the security on a daily basis.
2: That's not what I said.
6: Well, that's what I heard. So I went mm. back to Samuelson and that's exactly what he said. So how why was not not stealing when they knew they set it up that the people who were in the know would sell when it was high?
3: What was your third point?
6: I'm waiting for number two. I need an answer. <laughs> uh,
3: what what securities are you talking about, Frank? Are, are you are you just talking about the g- general stock market, or are you talking nope. about there's there were so th- that's one point in in the financial crisis. There were some specific cases. Uh, particularly, a big one was with John Paulson working with Goldman Sachs to engineer basically engineer a housing bond that he thought had a high probability of failing. Right. Um, so is, is that is that the sort of thing you're referring to? Yes,
2: sir. Okay. Exactly. Right. Yes. So and, and those are not
3: stocks. So right. That's not that's not you know stocks that you and I can buy. And actually, transactions like that they are restricted to people who are the the general reference is people who can afford that sort of loss. Um, they look at accredited investors. There's asset and income tests before you can buy things like that. Um, okay, those, so-, so that would be a very special structured thing. And that was a case where. Goldman was working with a client to structure a bond that they wanted, and then they sold them to, um, you know, say, uh, other large investors. Basically, one hedge fund was taking one side and one hedge fund was taking the other side. And the people who lost out, who bought that um, de- bond, which was, again, kind of designed to fail, that's not, you know, that's 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 basically, you know, the idea behind it. Uh, so... Th- the thing, uh, how that issue came up was people were saying, okay, well, you know, Goldman was withholding very specific information. They were, you know, because they have to disclose, you know, what is in that bond. They have to disclose a lot of things about that security that they sold. Um, even again, if they're selling it to accredited investors, people who can afford that loss. Um, but in that case, you know, they didn't disclose. You know, uh, we have worked with a client to. And select these uh, disastrous looking mortgages, uh, things like that, so that was an issue, but that 's not i mean that that doesn 't affect public markets so much. Um, I mean, not directly, Uh, and and that's not how publicly traded securities work, um, because that's a transaction where the SEC was just not even involved in. They don't, you know, the SEC has uh, transparency and reporting requirements for publicly traded companies that really keep things like that from happening a lot. And I know, you know, in the past, these things have happened a lot. And you can look back even to like things like Enron, you know, where there were like large scale, scale frauds. Um, at publicly traded companies. But the SEC, the, every year they get better and better at catching these. Every year accounting standards get better and better at making these things transparent. And so you really don't have that sort of uh, low quality or even fraudulent company out there on the scale that there has been before. And even then, it was a tiny, tiny part. Um, And it's not something that most investors really need to worry about unless unless it's like your cousin is telling you to put your entire net worth into his friend's company. Um, Then you need to be worried. But otherwise, otherwise, that's not really affecting large scale uh, public companies. It's not really affecting things that individuals are going to buy in their retail accounts. And so long as they're following some good principles of diversification. And if they're looking into individual securities, as long as they're being thorough about it and uh, keeping their position sizes small and um, prudent, then that's not a huge problem.
6: Uh, three, so what was your third three, question? Three. Thank you for that excellent explanation. I owe you guys an apology.
3: <laughs> All right.
6: So thank sure. you so much. All sure. Right. Anytime.
3: Sometimes, sometimes it's, uh, it's hard to get everything over the radio. You know, you don't necessarily uh,
6: well,
3: you got it this time. you. Right. Right. <laughs> what was your other point?
2: That's it. That's true. Thank you, sir. All right.
1: Very good. Thanks, too.
2: I think Ryder wins the award.
1: We need to take another quick break. When we get back, we got some callers on the line. We're talking today about things that you sh- probably shouldn't do if you win the lottery or a large financial windfall. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. We'll be back with more after this.
0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. The information presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests in the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions.
1: Welcome back. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lauder Chanderson, Associate Professor of Finance at Mississippi College and President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taff, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. We're talking about lotteries this morning and what you probably shouldn't do when you win the lottery. Also looking for your personal finance questions. The phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 Joseph is on the line from Starkville this morning. Go ahead. You're on the air.
7: Hi. Um, so I wanted to make a comment regarding lotteries and the, you know people winning lotteries and how that affects the uh, lower-income people. Mm-hmm. Well, so, and I'm sure you guys know this, that about 70% of all lottery winners end up going bankrupt after a few years, mm-hmm. and that includes those who decide to invest or those who spend it uh, You know, uh, thoughtlessly, I guess. I'm not sure how to exactly phrase that. But I thought I should uh, make that comment because I haven't heard that yet um and the second thing is also about how the um, lotteries work in brazil i i believe it's brazil correct me if i'm wrong but their lotteries don't cost a few dollars like they do in the u.s Um, instead what they do is each lottery costs let's say you know five thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars and 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 what ended up happening is originally the reason they did that was so that um, less lower-income people would buy it, so that that community would not be affected. But what ended up happening is, instead, you know, a com- an entire community would slow would all pitch in to buy one lottery ticket. And so every time the lottery is announced and Brazil, I believe it's the Christmas lottery. Um, you know, an entire neighborhood would win. And so I don't know. I thought that was interesting. Thought I should mention it.
2: Well, I think we're so, always in- yeah. enticed by this idea of of getting something for nothing you know, or next to nothing." and um, it is appealing for a lot of people. And it's, an, it's this thought of, you know, okay, I know the odds are, are very low, but what if I win? You know, all, people always say, but yeah. you're definitely not going to win if you don't buy a ticket. And so they see this, and there's great possibility in all that. But um, y- you give a quote on the number of people who go bankrupt. Uh, we also know that um, when we look at professional athletes in the NFL, 95% of those people go bankrupt at some point. And so some of that is because um, if you've never had that amount of money and you don't know how to manage it, um, it becomes overwhelming. So for anybody who does have a windfall, you need to get some professional help. You need to maybe get an attorney. Um, A CPA, a financial advisor to help guide you and show you how you can turn this windfall into a lifetime account that can help you do all kinds of things. Um, And if you don't have that, uh, then you're starting to spend it. And what happens to a lot of people who have these big winnings is, you know, all of these other friends and family show up at their door Mm. asking for help. And they want to do that. And so they end up giving and giving and giving until it's all gone.
1: All righty. Yeah. Thanks, uh, thanks for your call this morning. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio looking for your personal finance questions today as we talk about things not to do to when you win the lottery. And, Nancy, I've said this several times on this show, but when you retire, you need to go into the – MSN money. Oh, because, because of all you the have, list. Yeah. <laughs> every time we have a list, Nancy is amazing <laughs> how she, because there are several things that you mentioned are on the list of things not to do when you win the lottery. Um, so if you have a, a question, a personal finance question, or maybe we're playing along, what would you do if you won the lottery? Uh, give us a call this morning. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. Six seven two seven four six four. Uh the amount that the lady in Massachusetts won the Powerball was seven hundred and fifty eight point seven million dollars.
2: And she wasn't gonna take it uh she was gonna take a lower lump sum.
1: Okay, that's so she cool, was right. gonna take it as a lump sum. That's yes. interesting.
3: Right. So when you take it as a lump sum, they go ahead um, they go ahead and withhold the taxes for you, so that's why it ends up being so much lower. Although one thing I was thinking about um, because you can exclude up to half of your income if it's a charitable donation is that if you want to you know look what what use do you have for seven hundred million dollars, just go ahead and give half of it away to charity and then your tax burden will be That's a little right. lower too you're not going to receive uh, so she may receive maybe like four hundred or four hundred fifty million. Uh, she wouldn't receive just half of that. She she'd get a, she'd get a little bit better than just half of that because again, her overall tax burden would not be as high. Whoa!
1: Um, so um, one of the first things on our list is that uh, don't forget to sign your winning ticket. So the, apparently that's a way to guarantee that it's yours and that and put uh, that
2: ticket in a safe place because when you sign it, that becomes legal tender. Isn't that right?
3: Maybe yeah, does it. I think so. It says uh, you have to sign and secure the ticket. Uh, before that, though, anybody, I mean, if I it's unsigned. Like if it's unsigned, because it, you you purchase it with cash, there's no way it's connected to you. So, I mean, you right. can – I mean, basically, the important thing is that you keep it safe. Right. <laughs> And in uh, on Gilligan's Island, he actually lost his winning lottery
1: ticket, and in the very end, he it was taped or uh, tacked above his bunk in his hut. So he
3: actually had it in the secure and place. How and how just... was he
2: going to collect those winnings stuck <laughs> on that desert island? Because <laughs> you
3: only have what is it like ninety days to uh, to get it to the to the yeah. lottery commission office. So that Gilligan's Island, you know, plot holes. I don't know. <laughs> Uh,
1: Ryder's new here. Let's not venture there. We'll, we'll just put slightly bet at that. Also, number two, uh, don't brag about winning the lottery, not to anyone. And this was interesting because the lady in Massachusetts did come forward and say that she had won that. Um, well, I
2: think some of them require yeah. that you come and publicly declare and stand with the yeah. check uh-huh. and all of that.
3: Yeah, so th- that is an interesting thing. That you, you. I mean, you can find it online, but there's some states which will allow you to claim anonymously or claim through, like, a trust or right. something, yeah. which is which is a, a good idea to do. Even if you do want to tell people, um, you might want to keep it quiet for a little while.
1: Uh, we've got a caller
3: on the line, so we
1: say good morning to Jim in Macomb. Good morning, Jim. Go ahead.
3: Good
6: morning. Um, uh, my question is about reverse mortgage. Okay. Ooh. I got into a reverse mortgage without knowing much about how those things work. Now I want to get out of it because they are deadly. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, you're, you're probably going to be stuck because a reverse mortgage is still a loan. And uh, the difference is it pays you for equity that you've built up in the house. You have to be a certain age to qualify. You have to have a certain amount of equity built up in your house. Uh, It works for a lot of people who already have paid their house off or nearly paid it off, and they need extra money every month. But there is interest built into that payoff. There are high fees related to it. And once you start that, I'm not sure there's a way for you to get out.
6: Well, is there some kind of way you can, uh, like, reverse it or pay it down or do something? Reverse the reverse? Mm -hmm. Well,
2: Well, I I think that would mean actually – paying off the loan. yeah, And so you would have to talk to the mortgage company to, you know, just to say, okay, I received all of this money. Plus there's some interest calculated in that. If I wanted to clear this out and say, forget it and go my way, how much money would I have to come up with? They might have a figure for you.
6: That's the way they approach it, huh?
2: Yeah. Uh, they're going to have, yeah.
3: I, I would, okay. I would suggest, you know, asking them, asking whoever you have that reverse mortgage with is, you know, going to need to be done because they're the only people who know the actual balance and know what the actual payoff is going to be but also get a second opinion from a cpa or financial advisor who can look into it a little bit more for you because um especially with reverse mortgages i don't know if you did this through a bank or through uh, just a um a non-bank lender but they can have some um i'm trying to think of a nice way to phrase it not very helpful salespeople uh who they're their goal is not to get you what you want. They're trying to they're trying to keep as much as they can. Uh so they are kind of motivated to mislead you slightly about that. So uh do get a second opinion. Uh do get someone else who you know gather documents and get someone else to look at it as well as the original company.
1: All right uh, Jim thanks for your call. Uh this is Money Talks on MPV Think Radio. We've got a couple of emails here. Uh this one is um from John, who says, just this past weekend, I did win the lottery, the twice-daily pick-three Colorado lottery. Never won on a ticket in my life. I was traveling back after participating in a court hearing and stopped at a convenience store to gas up my rental car on the way to the airport and won $500. Wow. I sent the ticket to the family of the victim in the court hearing, and hopefully it will help defray some of their legal costs. Wow. Wow. So that's the idea of the pay it forward that we hear about, and uh, so that was uh, certainly a a good thing to do uh, with that. Uh, Here is another one from John uh, who says, Can you discuss the use of a health savings account as a means for saving for retirement? I'm currently maxed out on a 401k and Roth account looking to find other tax shelter accounts for retirement.
3: Okay, so you can put money in a health savings account, and if you s- withdraw it to spend on medical expenses, pretty much any time you're good to go, there's no penalty there. So that is useful. Um, and obviously, when you retire, you will have some medical expenses. Um, but I would caution you against you know, putting too much money in that. Uh, you might want to kind of look at one, uh, how, how old you are right now, what your medical expenses are right now, uh, and then estimates of what your medical expenses will be in the future. Um, you know, if you have a particular health problem, you might be able to look at, you know, examples of people and what they've spent on treatments. But if you don't, then just
2: look at kind of averages. But, uh, but typically, a health savings account is limited to the deductible amount. So it's really for policies with a high deductible. Right. And that savings account, that- you can build up to that amount so so that's you, a very good point. If, you know, use it for medical expenses. Use it for that purpose. But if you're saving for retirement and if you've maxed out, make sure you have truly maxed out every employer plan. You can also do IRAs and Roth IRAs on top of employer plans, depending on your income. And then if you've done all of that, you just save in a regular account that yeah. you're going to have to report the taxes uh, or report and pay taxes on.
3: So, yeah, that's just a regular account. There's those this three different tax structures. And with any of those, you, when you max it out, you want to make sure that it's not, it, it, you're not you don't have way too much money in one of those <laughs> accounts. So uh, Because if all of your money was in the 401K, then you'd have a ton of income when you retire. If all of your money was in the health savings account, you wouldn't be able to spend money on anything except medical expenses. So you want to make sure you have a good balance. In a health savings account, that's just not, you're just not going to want a ton of money in that, though. All right.
1: Uh, Let's take one final break this hour. When we get back, we've got Ruffin on the line from Louise. We'll get to his call, and also we have another email to get to. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio, and we'll be back after this break to wrap up the show. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy lotter anderson Associate Professor of Finance at Mississippi College and President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft is Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. We've been talking about winning the lottery, some things that maybe you shouldn't do if you win the lottery. Also, we've been taking some personal finance questions. Uh, let's get this one email in uh, that says, As the beneficiary of an investment account owned by my recently deceased aunt, what tax implications will I have?
2: Well, it depends on the type of an account it is. So if your aunt had an IRA account... Um, a retirement account, then you're going to be limited to what you can do with that. If you take all of that money out, let's say it's $5,000, then that's $5,000 of pure income that you'll pay taxes on. If you want to take it out gradually, because the IRS does want you to eventually take it out and pay taxes on it, you're going to have to open up your own IRA beneficiary account. If it's just a regular account, it's not a retirement account, and you are the beneficiary, which you can do in the state of Mississippi, have a pay on death or transfer on death then you just show up with uh the death certificate and uh verification that you are a beneficiary that money belongs to you at that point um there won't be any estate tax due
3: i mean unless it's over like five and a half million dollars
2: yeah well you know we, she didn't say it, that well, well I, I could She be. Just could won be the lottery, Nancy. Uh, yeah Uh, That would be kind of rare, but But, um, what an ant that would be, right?
3: One one important thing there is that on the date of her death, that's the cost basis there. So say it was an investment account. On the day she died, it was worth $10,000. Then that's the cost basis, and any gains above that before you actually sell it, you have to pay taxes on those gains. So again, that's a very small part of the account that you actually have to pay taxes on. And again, that's going to be at a preferred rate as well. It's going all, almost always going to be a lower rate than your income rate. So,
1: all right, uh, got some phone calls to get to. We start again in Louise Ruffin has called in today. Good morning, Ruffin.
8: Good morning. Go ahead. Uh, I just wanted to comment on the lottery. I I wish we wouldn't accept it as a foregone conclusion that the lottery would be uh, positive for the state of Mississippi. Twenty-five years ago, we were told that casino gaming was going to be the answer to all our woes, and it was going to fix our schools and our roads. Yet, we don't have good schools, and we don't have good roads. (laughs) I look at other states, Louisiana, Louisiana, as a successful lottery, but I, I feel like they have more uh, resources and more population to support it. Um, I don't think that uh, 52 or 104-some-odd winners you'd have a year with a state lottery would be uh, would offset the, the people that lost. And it, at the same time, it requires a degree of trust and our legislators to, to be able to manage this system.
3: <laughs> I think you hit the nail on the head. We have to trust our legislators not only to manage the system well and allocate the money where we wanted it to go, but also not to just cut all the taxes everywhere else. Because, again, if you just if they get an extra million dollars here and then cut a million dollars there, then no teacher gets a pay raise no more roads get
2: paved. And so. and I'm with you, Ruffin, because I remember those days of selling uh, these casinos based on this is going to help our education, yeah. and it has not. So we need to think about just overall tax revenue and be honest about that and what we all have to pay to have the kind of things that we want, the kind of public schools and roads and um, support that we need here in Mississippi.
3: I, I think I think a good – general rule here is if someone is selling something as a magic bullet or some just this is going to be transformative, it's probably not. All right, Ruffin, thanks for calling. That was
1: uh, some good uh, addition to our discussion here. And I will say uh, I think in Georgia, part of the lottery has been designated for education. So that's a way to go. But I agree that it's not a cure-all. Well, and
2: what it really is is a voluntary tax. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because if I right. buy a ticket, knowing what the odds are, then I'm volunteering to give up my money.
1: Mm-hmm. we got another caller on the line. This time we're talking to Savannah, who's called in from Mobile. Good morning. Go ahead, please.
2: Uh, good morning. Um, my question is regarding,
5: uh, you kind of spoke briefly, uh, you you floated over, blood insurance, no no pun intended, yes. blood insurance is, um, and the changes that are slated for exactly when, and also my other question is, if, if uh, insurances, what about people who have had blood insurances that were very recently renewed?
2: Well, um, I don't know all the details of this, but I know that the vote on... Um, um Improving funding for that program, and even even the question of whether we're going to continue with this program, is coming up very shortly. And I want to say before the end of the year, so I think it's really important, if we live here in Mississippi, um, and uh, you're down in Mobile, we all need to be paying attention mm-hmm. to this program. It helps us survive, it gives us some support, because otherwise, the insurance companies, the premiums would be so high that we could not afford to live there, um, you would see those economies down on the coast just dry up and so we need to support this program Um, call your senators call your congressmen pay attention to the policy coming out
1: all right uh, mikey good to hear from you on mobile uh this is money talks on mpb think radio got a few minutes left we can maybe go through the rest of our list of things not to do if you win a lot of money um we've talked about uh, that you need to sign your winning ticket Uh, Don't uh, go about bragging about winning the lottery to others, but we do think that in some lotteries you actually have to do claim it in person, although, again, that's different from uh, different lotteries around the country. Uh, Number three, don't automatically decide to take the lump sum cash option. So um, I guess there are advantages one way or the other, but uh, as we mentioned earlier, if you're someone who has not had that a lot of money, maybe it's better to have it doled out to you year after year, and you might possibly then not waste as much?
2: That I would go for that option. And it's usually based on taxes and time value of money as to uh, how that payout is set up.
3: And it's a payout over 30 years as well. So that, I mean, yeah, uh, that's and a, great a deal. And, it, and it includes a 5% raise. So whatever you start with, you get a 5% raise every year. So you're probably gonna be keeping ahead of inflation so long as inflation does not exceed 5%. Um, and, yeah, you you know you can rely on that money going forward.
1: Yeah, I think I would certainly take that because you're right. That's a more long-term security uh, than this, the one lump sum. Number four, and Nancy, Nancy mentioned this as well, uh, don't think for a second that you're now the smartest person about finance. It's, right. Uh, it's you some, need some help. You're definitely not. Yeah, we'll you need some help in
2: managing all of that.
1: Uh, number five, don't let your debt and existing obligations remain in place.
2: Well, um you know it's great to go ahead and pay off everything yeah. and get rid of all of that um but um again, a professional can help you with looking at all of that yeah you're
3: to be fair, if you won seven hundred million dollars and you were starting out from a you know just an average salary, you probably your mortgage debt is probably pretty insignificant to what you just won, so I'm you know so. Generally speaking, if someone came and said, hey, do I need to pay off my mortgage? We would often say, well, what's the rate? No, that's a very low rate. Keep it. Uh, but yeah, if you had $700 million, I would be like, you know what? You can do literally whatever you want with that first couple thousand dollars.
1: Number six, do not dare run out and start buying everything for everyone, not even yourself. And, again, we've talked about that. Um, you know, uh, be prudent about it. Uh, you're obviously going to have more spending money, but you don't want to uh, well, blow through all your cash for sure. And this
2: brings up this idea of how much is enough and what is a large sum of money. When I talk to my students and they think about a million dollars, I mean, their eyes just light up. But, you know, we're in the financial business. A million dollars doesn't seem like a lot when you're talking about retiring and being able to live off of that you know at what point does that become like a huge amount of money for me about 10 million dollars i can't even (laughs) think above 10 million dollars what would i do with that
1: Mm -hmm. um number seven don't go out and live the big life at least not way too big again that's the same sort of ideas that do you i like this one too number eight don't think that budgets are just for poor people and the middle class
2: Well, the other thing is, um, you know, we work with people who have a lot of money. Not everybody we work with does, but there are those. And it becomes more burdensome to manage and think about what you want this money to do for you. Um, you have opportunities to give to uh, things that are important to you. And so that's the fun part where we can guide somebody through with that. But having a lot of money does not necessarily put you on easy street, maybe financially, but there is a lot of thought yeah. that has to go into it.
1: But I think you're right. There are a whole set of uh, concerns and worries I think that you might not you can consider that would would, uh, come your way. That's going to wrap us up for today. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by the generous financial support from you, our listeners, and a big thanks to everyone who helped us out last Friday during our on-air fundraiser. To hear today's show or a previous show, one way to find it is to go to mpbonline.org slash talks. Our show is produced by Liz Gill, and our call screener today was Java Chapman. So for Nancy Lotter anderson and Ryder Taff, I'm Kevin Farrell. Stay tuned up next at 10. It's In Legal Terms. We'll be back next Tuesday at 9 for another Money Talks. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio.